everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, off your order. Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday, November 9th. This is a special edition of the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. Uh, This is a special election edition. I'm recording this actually just about 2 a.m. Eastern. We've been watching midterm election coverage all night. Some of you have been doing it with me on my Instagram feed as we've been processing the results from every state uh, in the House, in the Senate. Uh, And so this is what we know as of overnight. But what I'm trying to do today is really set the table for you on what we know as of early morning as we still, of course, get results. Some results might take days, if not weeks, depending on how some states count. But here are your headlines right now. Control of the House and the Senate are still officially up in the air, though the big headline this morning is that polls showing a disaster for Democrats have not panned out. And there is even a shot they could keep their majority in the House as of this recording. And if Republicans take the House, which still looks a little more likely, it'll look like they will have a very, very slim majority. A couple other headlines as we get started here. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, dominated his reelection. That came as 36 states voted for governor. I will break down some of those results. There were also a number of states that voted on referendum related to abortion, marijuana, etc. I'll tell you more about those. And we will hit a couple other headlines before we go today. First, let's set the table here. As of right now, in the current Senate is a 50-50 split Democrat-Republican. Democrats have held a very slim majority because the vice president serves as a tie-breaking vote. So the big question going into last night was whether Democrats could hold their very slim majority or Republicans would be able to use their message on the economy, inflation, crime to take a few key seats. There were about seven Senate seats we were closely watching. For the most part, each party defended most of its seats. But then around 1 a.m. last night, Fox and NBC within minutes of each other called a win for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. This was the hotly contested race we've been talking about between Fetterman, who is the lieutenant governor of the Keystone State. 
He was up against Republican celebrity doctor Mehmet Oz. In recent weeks, it appeared like Fetterman was losing momentum. He had a stroke back in the spring, but it appears that enough voters were rooting for him and helped him get across the finish line. What's key here is that this seat was actually held by Republicans until now by a a Republican senator who's retiring. So Pennsylvania is a gain for Democrats. So they go from 50-50 to 51-49, should nothing else change. Still pending are Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Three of those seats are held by Democrats. Republicans, now that they've lost Pennsylvania, would need to hold the Wisconsin seat as well as win two out of the other three seats. So it is a hard uh, climb for them at this point to somehow do that. It is still possible, but uh, this is where we're at as of 2 a.m. In Georgia, it is a very, very close nail-biter right now. The Democratic senator, Raphael Warnock, uh, was up against the football player turned Republican candidate, Herschel Walker. That is very, very close. Uh, I'm still looking at these numbers. They're within a few thousand votes of each other. If neither candidate in Georgia, due to their state law, uh, gets 50.1% of the vote, It'll go to a runoff in four weeks. So that is something to keep in mind. But as of right now, Democrats are feeling very good about their chances of holding the U.S. Senate. A couple other notable races before we move on to the House. Republicans elected a new senator from North Carolina. That was a competitive seat. That is Congressman Ted Budd, uh, who will be the new senator from North Carolina. In Ohio, which was a relatively competitive, J.D. Vance, you might know him as the author of the book Hillbilly Elegy, will be the new Republican senator from Ohio. Democrats uh, were able to hold seats in Colorado and New Hampshire, respectively. So again, right now, what we're watching in the Senate, now that Fetterman and Democrats have taken the seat in Pennsylvania, is whether Republicans can pull off two out of the three wins in Nevada, Georgia, or Arizona. But as of the latest data on Wednesday morning, it wasn't looking very good for them. Now let's talk about the U.S. House. Nearly every analyst, Democrat and Republican you spoke to, said it wasn't really a debate as to whether the Republicans would take the House this cycle, but by how much. Keep in mind, Biden's approval ratings are at a record low number, and in similar circumstances in the last 30 years, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump all lost between 40 and 60 seats in the House. As of Wednesday morning, the trend still points to Republicans picking up just enough seats for a majority. Remember that you need 218 seats to control the House. As of 2 a.m., NBC and CNN were projecting 219 seats for Republicans, a one-seat majority with about a dozen seats that are still too close to call. Right now, we're looking at about a five- or six-seat pickup for a very slim majority, so less of a red wave and more of a red ripple. Actually, Ben Shapiro, the Republican uh, commentator, called it more of a red wedding, frankly, given how disappointed some Republicans are in this performance. It really is a district-by-district fight right now uh, underway in a number of states, Virginia, Kansas, Rhode Island, etc., to really determine control of the U.S. House. Going into this, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats had a very slim majority. It has been a challenge for her to really uh, manage that very slim majority in the House. If Republicans are able to take their own slim majority, they will have to you know, basically herd the cats, just like Pelosi did with the Democrats, and get everyone on board. Uh, so Republicans were hoping for a much more healthy majority. That is still possible at this point. There are a lot of open seats, specifically in California and New York, that are still too close to call in both states. Democrats were actually able to flip a few Republican seats in Texas, Colorado, Ohio, and Illinois, while Republicans flip seats in Florida and New York. Again, it's still too close to call, but it has been a disappointment for a number of Republicans that were expecting a big win, and it might be days, if not weeks, before we figure out 
who has the House majority. Now let's go to some key elections in the states where 36 states were voting for governor. One of the most closely watched races was in Florida where Republican Governor Ron DeSantis dominated last night. He actually appears to have won by nearly 20% in his race against former Governor Charlie Crist. This comes after just four years ago when DeSantis only won by less than 0.5%. It was true domination for DeSantis, including in some historically Democratic areas, Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach County. These were the areas where Democrats typically need to stack up votes to go up against the red parts of the state. As far as DeSantis was concerned, he dominated across the state. There was no surprise for weeks now that he would win. But what everyone is watching this race for is what DeSantis does next. It was notable at his election party in Tampa on Tuesday night that a number of people in the crowd were chanting two more years Governors, as you know, serve four-year terms, but DeSantis is widely expected to challenge Donald Trump for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024, hence the two more years. What's really interesting here is that DeSantis did really well last night, and it comes against the backdrop that Republicans didn't do as well as expected across the country. DeSantis also performed well in historically blue areas, so it does really strengthen his position should he choose to run for president. One other development that he could have bragging rights for is that he also won Palm Beach County in Florida. Notably, Palm Beach County is the home to Mar-a-Lago. Trump, back in 2020, actually lost his county by 13% to Joe Biden. DeSantis winning it here. So there's some bragging rights for DeSantis, in addition to doing well, while Republicans didn't do as well as expected. This all comes as Trump told reporters late Monday that DeSantis should not bother running against him, saying he would lose badly. It would be a very bad decision for DeSantis to run against him. And then he added that he knows more things about DeSantis than anyone but his wife. And some things are not very flattering. So that's one of the other storylines we'll be watching DeSantis v. Trump in 2024 and whether any Republicans will be blaming Trump for their lower than expected or less than expected results last night. A couple of other governor's results uh, we were watching last night. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, the Democrat, won against Republican Lee Zeldin. Uh, he had made a closer than expected battle against her in New York, uh, raising the issue of crime in the city in particular. But she came out victorious, also victorious last night, Michigan Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer after she had a, a battle with a Trump-supported Republican nominee. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you might remember her from the Trump White House. She is the new governor of Arkansas. And there was some history made in Massachusetts and Maryland. In Massachusetts, Maura Healey became the first openly gay and first woman governor elected in that state. Meanwhile, in Maryland, Wes Moore became the first black governor of the state. In both Maryland and Massachusetts, those were flips from Republican governors to Democratic governors. We started to get a sense on Tuesday as to who was voting and why they were voting the way they did. According to the national and state exit polls conducted by Edison Research, uh, they run a consortium of several of the major news networks. They found that 73%, nearly three in four American voters were dissatisfied or angry. Only a quarter described themselves as happy with the situation currently in the country. When it came to issues, 32%, about one in three Americans, named the economy their biggest issues. Of those voters, 7 in 10 said they voted for Republicans. Close behind economy, abortion was the kind of surprising second biggest issue at 27%. It was not polling that way coming into the election, but according to the exit polls, that was a big issue for more than one out of four Americans. So when many Democrats saw that abortion number in second place uh, just behind the economy earlier in the night, just a couple of percent behind, that did give them hope that many of the polls that were done in recent weeks and months showing a uh, 
uh, major potential Republican landslide would not bear out. We were also watching a bunch of ballot measures at local, at state levels. There were two issues in particular that were voted on in multiple states, abortion and marijuana. When it comes to abortion, California, Vermont, Michigan, Kentucky, and Montana all had referenda uh, dealing with abortion. And in all cases, it appears as of Wednesday morning that abortion rights supporters have won in those states. In some cases, it was about codifying abortion rights into the state constitution. In some cases, they would have been abortion bans. Either way, again, as of Wednesday morning, and we're still watching final results in Kentucky and Montana, but in California, Vermont, Michigan, Kentucky, and Montana, it appears that abortion rights supporters have won. Marijuana was on the ballot in a handful of states and appears there was a split verdict. Maryland and Missouri appear to be on their way to joining 20 other states in legalizing marijuana. Meanwhile, it appears that North and South Dakota, as well as Arkansas, have shot down their marijuana legalization referenda. All right, I hope that gives you a sense as of early Wednesday morning where we're at with midterm elections. I'll continue to track all of this stuff on my Instagram feed at Moshe uh, and do some lives throughout the day. We might actually have another edition of this podcast later tonight, if not tomorrow morning, as we continue to track all these results. So last year, I was feeling a bit sluggish. I ended up meeting with a nutritionist. They ended up prescribing me a whole regiment of vitamins, some to take at breakfast, some for lunch, and some for dinner. It really is a lot of pills to keep track of and has gotten a bit expensive. My goal was to replace some, if not all of those supplements, and I have been able to do that now with just one scoop of the AG1 powder. I had one this morning. You just throw a scoop of the powder into a glass of water, and it's really that simple. The AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support gut health. All of this really combines for a strong immune system as we head into cold and flu season. Really view it as your nutritional insurance policy. So we're excited to have Athletic Greens and their AG1 powder as our sponsor here on the Mo News Podcast. And we have some extra good news if you're a Mo News listener. If you head right now to athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News, they have a special offer for listeners. In addition to the monthly deal for the AG1 powder at less than $3 a day, you will also get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Again, the website is athleticgreens.com backslash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to learn all about what AG1 can do for your health and take advantage of this offer. Again, you get those 75 important ingredients with that powder daily for just about $3 a day, along with a special Mo News offer here, a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. All right, I have a few other headlines this morning before I let you go. I want to start in Ukraine where the president there, Zelensky, says he is open to genuine peace talks with Russia. This was a big announcement he made on Monday night. This follows pressure from the U.S. and other Western countries telling Zelensky, please signal a readiness for negotiation. It has been nearly nine months of this war. We want you to indicate to Putin that you're ready to talk. Zelensky laid out the Ukrainian conditions for talks. For some of these, this may be non-starters for Putin. But among the things Zelensky wants is Ukrainian control over its entire country. Right now, the Russians control about 15% of Ukraine. He wants the Russians to compensate Kiev for the invasion and all the damage they've done to the country. And he also wants all the perpetrators of war crimes brought to justice. That would include some higher-ups in the Russian military. Back here at home, we're watching Tropical Storm Nicole, which was nearing hurricane strength overnight as it takes aim at Florida's Atlantic coast. 
Right now, warnings and watches are up between Miami and the Space Coast uh, as they figure out exactly where it could make landfall. If and when Nicole becomes a hurricane, right now it's at the edge as of uh, the time of this recording. It would be the third in the Atlantic this month. That would be a tie with the 2001 season for the most Atlantic hurricanes in November. Officially, hurricane season runs from June to late November, but we rarely see hurricanes in November. The storm has a pretty large wind field as well as uh, rain, so it is expected to impact most of the state of Florida over the course of the next 72 hours. And finally, we know that there is a, at least one new billionaire in this country. A ticket sold in California over the weekend is the sole winner of the $2 billion Powerball jackpot. The winner bought the ticket in Altadena, California, just uh, near Pasadena. Uh, we don't know the identity of the winner yet, but they are the winner of the world's largest ever lottery prize. Uh, the previous record was the $1.5 billion Powerball pot from a few years ago. Uh, it went through nearly 40 no wins over the course of the past couple months, which is what led to the $2 billion prize. Beyond it being the largest ever prize, what was also notable about this drawing is that it did not happen when expected. It was scheduled to take place at 11 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. We were all out there waiting with our tickets, and it actually got delayed for 10 hours. 48 states and some territories are all part of the Powerball drawing, and we are trying to figure out which states screwed things up as far as their security protocols. Well, Minnesota on Tuesday raised their hand and said, yeah, it was our problem. We wanted to make sure that uh, all tickets were sold securely uh, and everything was done in a secure manner. And so it took them 10 extra hours to figure that out. The numbers were finally released on the Powerball YouTube page and social media late on Tuesday morning. And again, there is one lucky new billionaire somewhere in California, or at least they bought their ticket in California. I'll keep you updated if we find out the identity of that winner. All right, everyone, I want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Uh, I hope I have been able to set the table for you on what we know, at least as of early Wednesday morning, in what happened in the governor's races uh, and in the midterm elections. I will continue to track all the developments all day and frankly all week given how some of these states are going on my Instagram page at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. Please tell your friends and family about this podcast. We'll be doing special editions breaking down these results throughout the week. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on. Typically, you can just click follow or subscribe uh, to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Also, please leave a review for the podcast. It helps us continue to grow the show. You can also get your fill of all things Mo News in your email inbox with the Mo News newsletter. You can head over to monews.bulletin.com to sign up for that. I'll see everyone back here soon. <laughs>